This is the Top 25 Rundown, and here's your host, Alan West. Good evening and welcome to the Top 25 Rundown, presented by the Sportscast. Today is May 3rd, 2023. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on all your channels, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv, and Apple Podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. It'll help us out tremendously. You can listen to us on your smart speaker, play Sportscast. You can also visit us on the sportscast.net. Also follow us on Twitter at the Sportscast 1 and check out our app, the Sportscast, in the iOS App Store. Welcome to the Top 25 Rundown. I am joined by Bob Alvis, high school sports commentator, public address announcer, host of Sports Bay, and multiple other jobs and activities. How are you doing tonight, Bob? Man, it's uh, it's getting crunch time. It, it's May the 3rd as we record this, but it feels like November. Yeah. Very cold That's... in Central Virginia. It was very cold up in Northern Virginia last night, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking it's probably be just as cold tonight. Uh, I will only get a few hours of sleep, but that's okay. But we survived the NFL draft, which was great, and uh, well, unfortunately, my picks didn't go as well as I thought they would. Uh, it did start out with a C.J. Stroud as the uh, number one pick, and then turned out to be from Toledo, a gentleman. Let's see. By the name of Dishwan Johnson Toledo. He was selected by the Rams. Turns out that number eight, Washington, is the only season in the AP top 25 team with zero players selected in the draft. Uh, Our buddy from the show, Chris Caravello, he's not going to be very happy to hear that, but we're just going to have to see what happens with that. And uh, that just means that they're probably going to have a good year for the players who did stay. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. I did see that Alabama and Georgia each had 10 players drafted in this, and they joined a exclusive 2017 club of teams with at least 10 draft picks in a single NFL draft during the seven-round era. But when you look at all the conferences that were represented, the SEC had 62 players, the Big Ten had 54, the ACC had 32, the Big 12 had 30, the Pac-12 had 27, the AAC had 10, the MAC had 8, Conference USA Independent, which is uh, Notre Dame, BYU, and Liberty, each, there were 7 players there, Mountain West had 5, the Sun Belt had 5, the MV, FC had two, and then the ASUN, the Big Sky, the CA, the GUAC, the Ivy League, the NEC, the OVC, the SAC, the SWAC, and the WAC each had one player selected in the draft. So, even though you did see the Power Five conferences have a fair amount of people drafted, you still had a little bit of parity, I'd like to think. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and the big thing about drafts is it's great and all the fans love it, but the real thing you want to see to see what impact was made is what do those guys do in the future years? I mean, anybody can get drafted, but staying on a team and making the impact, to me, is what we really need to look at. That is true. That's why maybe another time we can definitely go a little more in-depth on the draft, but I figure right now at least we made sure that we talked about each conference it was represented and I mean that way you would know about the different players because it's all started and it ended with those two players there are a lot in between and uh there's going to be a lot of introspection over the next few months depending on how things go not only in mini camp training camp and how the season goes so we're just going to wait and see for that it was definitely entertaining drafts and the only question is what's going to happen next with it. Yeah, you know, I think it's been uh, very interesting for the draft as they've been kind of uh, 
starting to move it every year and not just have it at uh, Radio City Music Hall mm-hmm. in New York where they used to have it. So I think it, uh, it the draft has kind of become a party uh, atmosphere, so to speak. And, you know, I think if the NFL looks at, you know, the success rate of that, I mean, the NFL has covered more than any other uh, sport anyway. So their draft, mm-hmm. whether it be a real draft, fantasy football draft or whatever, is going to get a lot of eyes on it. So I think for that, Roger Goodell and these guys are getting getting what they want. And it's let's be honest. I mean, this is a top 25 rundown, but a lot of people mm-hmm. are going to say, what's it going to do in the pros? And unfortunately, when you look at it that way, you're missing some really good college athletics. And the sad truth but means that you'll definitely see how it goes for everybody who is drafted. And I mean, it's going to be fingers crossed no matter what, because you're going to want to try to see, or you're basically be playing devil's advocate because you're going to predict who's going to do well. And then later on, you may find out that unfortunately that is not what's going to happen. Right. So it's uh, definitely a needle in a haystack, but I'm looking forward to seeing that and just watching how the draft did go because it there were a few picks that a lot, a lot of people were surprised about, including, uh, real quick, uh, Will Levis dropping to the second round. And then... Um, Detroit uh, Lions drafting Jameer Gibbs. The Eagles being lucky enough to get uh, Jalen Carter. Those are just some of the ones right off the top of my head that I that were pretty eye-opening a little bit. Uh, then you had C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson going two, one, uh, two and three. Yeah, and you know, you talked about Will Levis, and I think what the NFL tries to do sometimes is you want to avoid that guy sitting in the, uh, you know, I guess it used to be the green room. Now I don't know where they mm-hmm. sit, but uh, you don't want to see somebody just get uh, overlooked, overlooked, overlooked. It took Will Levis to round two, and guess who wasn't there when he got picked? Will Levis. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting thing to do in terms of inviting people and when people don't get picked where they think they should be picked. They look bored, but, you know, hey, I mean – you know, and that's the thing. I mean, if Will Levis makes it, Will Levis is going to make his money. So I don't know that I'm feeling sorry for Will Levis because he was drafted in the second round. But I mean, you know, he's going to mm-hmm. he's going to make his dough. And, you know, it's another place, another time. But a lot of these quarterbacks going early and you've got to wonder if it was a normal draft, would they go early? Because everybody, I think, is now on the, the copycat league and we got to find our franchise quarterback. And Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I don't know how many of those guys that got drafted are franchise quarterbacks, but that's another t- another tale for another time. Exactly. We will hit that, although uh, I did want to mention, since you were bringing up about quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett didn't get drafted till the seventh round. Right. So we're going to see how that goes because he was drafted by the Rams, so it is two Georgia Bulldogs together, but it's more just seeing how that's going to play out along with everything else. But I'd say it definitely was an eye-opening draft. And uh, depending on how the players come out, it's going to be interesting within the next, I'd say, two or three years just to see. And then we'll be getting ready for next year's draft before we know it, too. Yeah, I guess we might as well start previewing that, like, next week. Tongue-in-cheek. Tongue-in-cheek. Probably within the next few weeks, but uh, one thing I didn't want to talk about is I saw that women's lacrosse this last weekend they had their some of the championships before mm-hmm. they uh do their tournament, and I saw that uh North UNC Tar Heels they were the four time defending ACC champions. They were upset by Boston College. They won their first national. First ACC championship in school history. So, congratulations to them. Yeah, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to BC. Uh, as of this recording, they were ranked number four. So, we'll see what happens going forward with Boston College. But you've got three teams in the top four 
of the top 25 that are from the ACC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, let's do a quick rundown for you. You got Northwestern number one, 15 and one, Syracuse number two, 16 and two, and UNC number three at 14 and four, ACC champion Boston College number four at 16 and three. Denver is perfect on the year, 17 and 0. James Madison is 16 and one at number six. Maryland's number seven at 13 and five. Florida's number eight at 14 and three. Loyola, Maryland's number nine at 15 and two. Stony Brook's number 10 at 12 and three. Notre Dame's number 11 at 13 and five. Virginia's number 12 at 11 and six. Michigan's number 13 at 11 and six. Marquette's number 14 at 15 and two. Johns Hopkins is number 15 at eight and eight. UConn's number 16 at 11 and five. Army West Point's number 17 at 14 and two. UMass is number 18 at 15 and 1. Drexel's number 19 at 12 and 4. Penn's number 20 at 11 and 4. Albany is 10 and 6. Rutgers is number 22 at 8 and 8. Fields number 23 at 12 and 4. Navy's number 24 at 13 and 5. And South USC is number 25. There's not a whole lot of parity, but you do see a few teams that are popping up there, Bob, that with the tournament about to be picked. I'm curious to see some of the different rankings and uh, just how it's going to end up. But I think that, sure, we are going to have some of the blue bloods, at least in terms of lacrosse, yeah. so the main teams. But I'm more curious to see which team's going to possibly be like the Cinderella and lacrosse. Well, and, you know, I'm looking at the standings right now, too. And one thing I look at is what are people's records on the road or at a neutral site game? And, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to look at – I think Denver really sticks out to me. They're ranked number fifth. They're unblemished on the year. So, obviously, they're undefeated on the road. 9-0 and on the road. Then you even go farther down. And Loyola, Maryland, who's ranked ninth, 7-1 and on the road. Even farther mm-hmm. down, Marquette, 8-0 on the road this year. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are going to look at that and say – well, wow, those teams have good road records, but who are they playing? You know, I don't know about you, Alan, but I subscribe to the fact of winning is a great teacher. And if you're winning, I don't care if you're beating the third grade elementary school or the 12th grade school. Yeah, obviously you want to beat the best comp. You want to play the best competition possible. But mm-hmm, if you're beating mm-hmm. teams, you know, it's kind of like when we talked about the NFL draft earlier with Stetson Bennett, he goes into the – very later rounds, but he's a winner. And I don't think you can substitute winning. And especially when you win away from the friendly confines. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Marquette is that one that really stands out to me. Eight and oh, 15 and two overall, but they're eight and oh on the road. And I think that's, that's outstanding. I agree. And I'm curious about that. Although let's jump over to the men real quick. And uh, as you're talking about that, looking at some of the, uh, Road records for some of the men, you're seeing that a lot of them, they're not perfect, but a lot of them are having better road records than, I mean, their home records, you're seeing a lot of teams are perfect on the home, but on the road, you're seeing they're still doing pretty good. For one right now, they're going to two UVs and three. Notre Dame number three at nine and two. John Hopkins number four at eleven and four. Penn State number five at nine and three. Maryland's number six at nine and four. Cornell's number seven at eleven and two. Georgetown's number eight at ten and three. Yale's number nine at eight and four. Penn's number ten at seven and five. Denver's number eleven at nine and four. Villanova's number twelve at ten. Boston is ten and three. UNC is 14 at 7 and 6. Rutgers is number 15 at 8 and 6. Vermont's number 16 at 9 and 4. Princeton's number 17 at 6 and 6. Utah's number 18 at 10 and 4. Army West 10 and 3, number 19. Bryan's number 20 at 10 and 4. Syracuse number 21 at 8 and 7. Michigan's number 22 at 7 and 6. St. Joseph's number 23 at 10 and 4. Lee has number 24, 9 and 4. 
Jacksonville was a top 25 at 10 and 3. Well, I don't know about you, but the one that sticks out to me is number 15, Rutgers. Uh, they're 8 and 6 on the season, but only 1 and 5 on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did notice as well. I'm uh, yeah, going to be curious to see how they do on the year and even uh, North Carolina having a 2 and 3 record. I'm wondering how that's going to affect them come tournament time. Yeah, I mean, you never know because, I mean, it's it's funny because there I think there are some people that literally do not like to play on the road. And I think there are some people, and, you know, one of my buddies uh, joked about me, joked with me about it because when I was interviewing a high school coach, I said, mm-hmm. do you like the fact that you're going to get on the bus? Granted, it's a two-hour trip. And, you know, he, he joked with me and said, yeah, everybody likes a two-hour trip. Well, some people get, you know, I don't want to say freaked out, but they they'd rather – not have to do, you know, the, the home things that you have to do. And it's better mm-hmm. when they get on the road. Now that question is stupid because yeah, who wants to take a two hour trip on a cheese wagon school bus. Granted the college teams are not riding a school bus, but at the same time, I think you have to have some comfortable, comfortable, comfortability. I don't know if I said that right. But I think you, everybody speaks Bob at this point to understand what I meant. Mm-hmm. And it's a case of where you've got to be comfortable playing away from home. Maybe not winning all the games, but you've got to be comfortable playing away from the friendly confines. That is true. Although I see uh, number 11, Denver, their record on the road is four and four. So that's going to be another team I'm going to keep my eye on as we're watching the uh, tournaments come out and just how they set it up. So, and, and you know, I mean, the the true hardcore diehard are really going to pick apart who have they played, how have they played, you know, when maybe they've had a man up, how have they played when they've had a man down. I mean, there are a ton of reasons that you've got to go with. But, yeah, and I mean, you know, Denver, it makes sense because when you look at their conference in lacrosse, they play in the Big East. I know when I think Eastern Conference schools, I think Denver is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. It's a beauty of different sport. You'll see different teams come out and show up and show out, which right. is another great thing. I mean, uh, like we talked about, Quinnipiac beat Minnesota with its first national title. How many times do we hear Quinnipiac names in a lot of sports? Um, not many. Exactly. So for us to be able to talk about somebody who wins not only their first title, but not one of the technical blue bloods, but still able to do really well. That's a win for everybody because it means that we get to learn more about different schools. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's going to be very, very interesting when we get into the tournaments because, you know, with those tournaments, it's, you know, one and, one and done. And it's going to be super duper interesting to see how some teams play because, you know, I mean, it's like you said, most people have never heard of Denver. I've actually done a little bit more due diligence here and pulled up their record. Uh, Denver lost the game in February at Air Force by two goals, at Duke in overtime, but then they went on the road to North Carolina and won. They went on the road at Yale and lost by two. They went, they played Ohio State, they played at Georgetown, uh, Georgetown may be their worst loss, 13 to 6. But, you know, Denver's beating schools that are ranked highly up there. And I think for Denver, it's just a comfort thing. You've got a, the tournament coming up tomorrow where they play Villanova in the semis, mm-hmm. then they'll play in the finals. And, you know, this is a good time, too. If you don't check out your networks that maybe don't get as much play, like your CBS Sports or your ESPN News or whatever. Now is really a good time to hit those networks up because that's who's going to be showing a lot of these lacrosse tournaments in college. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, lacrosse tournaments, they are definitely something to watch because of just how uh, they don't always get the credit like, say, basketball gets, but those games can be some of the most competitive you're going to watch in a year. 
Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big uh, super-duper lacrosse knowledgeable person, but you mentioned I do PA, and I've been doing some PA a lot for high school lacrosse. And some of the guys that have been up there with me, the parents who are running the scoreboards or whatnot, and one of them is actually an assistant, a volunteer assistant, Division Three Lynchburg College, who's ranked number one in their region. They say if you see a lacrosse game at like a UVA or whatever, it's such a different level than what you see in, in local high school lacrosse. So I would encourage people, if you've seen lacrosse at a high school level or your kid plays youth lacrosse or whatever, really watch an NCAA game just to observe the speed and the talent level because I don't know about you, Alan, but I don't think I could pick up a lacrosse stick and be successful because there's a lot of coordination from swinging that stick to throw the ball and then catching the ball and your other, your partner's got to catch the ball. So I think I would mm-hmm. fail miserably at lacrosse. I did play lacrosse a little bit in high school, like when we had like uh, for class and I learned how to be the goalie, but not recommend it. And uh, trying to catch that ball, that, that was something that I did it a few times. Once I put down the stick, I really had not picked it back up, but it. I have respect for players that are able, and people who are able to not only pick up the stick and do well, but also succeed in different levels. How much padding did you have as a goalie? None. Okay. How many bumps and bruises did you have when you went home? A few. It, it was exactly. not. It was not a fun night. It was not a fun night when I went to bed. I'll put it the, like that. The thing about it too that I would say to you know, somebody who is either just a watching TV, watching sports on TV, or maybe they go out and run or ride a bike or maybe play some pickup sports. One of the most hurtful things for me, and I was not a good athlete at all, but when I played recreational basketball, if you hit your knee on a hard basketball court, Mm. it hurts. Mm. If you hit somebody with a lacrosse ball, and you've got to think that ball is being thrown out of the net. You're going to get hit. You're going to get checked. You don't have the pads on that a football player has or anything like that. And I'm not saying that football players are, are wimps, not by any stretch of the imagination. But lacrosse, you're getting hit a lot. That is true. And uh, like we said, the views and opinions are expressed are our own opinions. Not yeah. the forecast. Me and Bob just because yeah, when I was the goalie, I did have the uh, unfortunate pleasure of somebody using a power shot in my thigh, stopping it. And we all so that uh, you can find me on on the internet. So I mean, you know, I'm not going to run for my opinion, but I'm I'm definitely not. If you want to say, hey, come step in the lacrosse goal and see how it feels, I'll pass. I'll pass. <laughs> because I have a ton of respect for people who can do what I can't do and they can do it at a extremely high level. And lacrosse is one of those sports to where I think the, the guys and the gals out there, they are playing at such a high level. It is until, you know, the other thing I've noticed too, Alan, it's a lot of running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of running. That is true. And I mean, uh, before, I remember when UVA was uh, going to the NCAA tournament, I believe. It was there the finals of the ACC tournament. Their goalie, Adam Gittleman, had gotten a penalty. So they had to have a backup goalie come in. And the backup goalie, I guess, hadn't played much in the year. He was able to make two huge saves to where Gittleman got out of the penalty box. And they were able to win. And that's something that I've always been able to, uh, I've never forgotten. That happened, I want to say, over 10 years ago. But just watching how that was, that I was one of the uh, best lacrosse games I've been able to watch. And then that was a year or two, I want to say, before Matt Ward, who was their uh, great uh, forward for Virginia lacrosse where he basically won every offensive category award that he could, that was given out by the NCAA that year. I believe his name's Matt Ward. So 
just for interesting stat real quick. Didn't mean to interrupt. Notre Dame and Cornell are both in the top 10 in scoring offense and the top 10 in scoring defense. So, mm. you know, if you want to, if you want to see some uh, teams that are good on both sides of the, of the ball, so to speak, you might want to check out the fighting Irish and the big red. Okay. That's definitely too. And the other thing that I've noticed when you look at the different um, conferences and standings is that you'll see different teams are part of it. Like, uh, Johns Hopkins plays in the Big Ten for lacrosse, yep. which I thought was something that was pretty interesting because normally when you look at the Big Ten, you wouldn't think that a school like John Hopkins would be there, but for lacrosse they are because that's, I want to say it probably gives them a lot more exposure for the games, which definitely helps. I think when you think of John Hopkins, you think of two things, really good medical and lacrosse. And, yep. you know, obviously you really want to be good at the medical stuff. But the lacrosse stuff, too, you know, you got to give Johns Hopkins credit because, to my knowledge, I don't know that they play any other sports on an NCAA level. Not many. Not many sports at all. I know it's not like, you know, they're not trotting out there with basketball and football from what people have told me. So Johns Hopkins is going to be another team that's very interesting to watch. And, you know, sometimes if you go to NCAA sites or whatnot and you will – Look at some individual or team statistics. If you don't see a team on there, you're like, oh, they must stink. Well, Johns Hopkins doesn't have anybody in the top 10 in goals per game or assists per game. But mm-hmm. you and I both know, Alan, that they're going to be a team that you don't want to see. Without question. Without question. Well, Bob, another sport that's coming up for uh, Super Regionals is college softball. And when I was taking a look at the stats, we still have Oklahoma at number one with a record of 45 and one. Which that just that blows my mind that they've only lost one game the whole year. And they're definitely gonna be the team to beat when it comes for the uh women's college world series. But we got UCLA number two at 47 and four. Florida State's number three with a record of 43 and eight. Tennessee's number four with 39 and six. Texas is number five with 39, nine and one. Oklahoma State's number six at 41 and nine. Stanford's number seven, 38 and 10. Clemson's number eight, 45 and eight. Washington's number nine with a record of 35 and 10. Georgia's number 10 with a record of 38 and 10. Duke's number 11 with a 43 and nine record. Arkansas's number 12 with a record of 36 and 14. Oregon's number 13 with a record of 35 and 11. Alabama's number 14 with a record of 36 and 16. Auburn's number 15 with a record of 37 and 15. LSU's number 16 with a record of 38 and 13. Florida's number 17 with a record of 34 and 16. Northwestern's number 18 with a record of 33 and 10. Wichita State's number 19 with a record of 43 and 8. Utah's number 20 with a record of 31 and 13. Baylor's number 21 with a record of 36 and 15. Virginia Tech's number 22 with a record of 35 and 17. Texas A&M's number 23 with a record of 32 and 18. Louisiana's number 24 with a record of 39 and 13. And Central Arkansas rounds out the top 25 with a record of 36 and 9. And... Once again, we got a few different schools that you really wouldn't think of for softball, but got some decent records, which is helping them to uh, move up the rankings and see how it comes and see if they're going to be possibly hosting a Super Regional. Oklahoma has 28 shutouts this year. They have three players with an ERA of 1.1 or below. That is absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, You know, a couple teams I keep interested in because we have a few local products in the Lynchburg area playing for them. And one of those Mm -hmm. is Clemson. And Clemson came up to Liberty uh, about a week or two ago, actually last week, and lost to the Flames. And then they dropped two or three to Virginia Tech. So Clemson's lost three of four as they head into the ACC tournament to take on Notre Dame on next Thursday. Clemson's going to have had about 12 days of rest 
since Virginia Tech. So you've got to hope that Clemson can get that bad taste out of their mouth if you're a Tigers fan to get back on track. Because like you said, I mean, losing three of four and, you know, you don't have that, you don't have that, um, that leeway when you get to the mm-hmm. tournament to drop like that. So we'll see what Clemson does ranked number seven right now. But, you know, the two teams that stick out to me that are always in the top half are Oklahoma and uh, UCLA. And the Bruins have 19 shutouts out of 52 games. Yeah, one team I'm not seeing on here that has also been a mainstay at times is uh, Arizona. Yep. yep. So Arizona we'll have to wait and see. Vote in the top 25, but you do have some new teams in there. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people probably don't think about Duke as a softball school. Duke's ranked number 11 right now at mm-hmm. and 9. So, you know, again, this is where I really say check out your um, – College Sports Network, your, you know, that where you might not see softball or baseball or lacrosse or whatever on a, you know, ESPN, but you might have to go to the ESPN News or, you know, the the CBS Sports Net, not your main network, but go to their cable network because, hey, you're going to get some good college sports. And guess what, Alan? College sports is coming to an end for about two or three months. Here in yep. Great. It's true. I mean, that's why I want to make sure that we get to talk about the important sports that sometimes you won't always hear a lot of people talk about. I want to make sure we bring them up and we can give them the coverage that they deserve as well. And uh, for softball, Florida State, actually, this last weekend, they held off Florida and swept the season series. So congratulations to the Seminoles. Yep, Seminoles are hanging it right there at number three right now. You know, I mean, when you look at the ACC, um, I count four teams in the top 25. So it should be a very interesting tournament when the ACC gets that tournament underway uh, next week. Yep. I'm ready to see that and just see how it progresses from there. Now, uh, one thing I do want to bring up, for, uh, we're going to switch gears and go into college baseball. First of all, thoughts and prayers for Matthew Delaney for Texas A&M Tarkana. He was the one who was struck by a stray bullet while he was on the field in the bullpen. He is still in ICU because of partial paralysis of his left leg, among other serious injuries. He was standing by the bullpen during a game against the University of Houston, Victoria, when he was shot in the chest, and uh, I believe they did uh, cancel that game after that happened for obvious reasons. And uh, according to his mother, he is where he's supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing, so they cannot take out the bullet yet because it's near his spine. He's suffered two broken vertebrae. So he is, uh, you know, he's starting to be able to move his leg a little bit and he can feel it. He also had a collapsed lung. So that, uh, that's something you never want to, you never imagine hearing or just having to experience that. So just think about when someone's trying to play a game or even watch the game and then all of a sudden this happens because of a shootout. That was in the park next to where they were. It's almost unthinkable to me. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, extremely, extremely sad. And, you know, not to not to get uh let's take life, you know, not take life for granted type area, but you don't mm-hmm. want to take life for granted in that way, especially when there's so much exciting college baseball coming down the stretch. But uh, mm-hmm. like you said, Alan, a lot of things are much more important than a score tally at the end of a game. Exactly. Just because I believe this is extremely important and I want to make sure that we definitely hit all the rankings for the different schools. But when you have something that is like this and just seeing how it is, 
it's something that we need to bring to light, just like yep. how when there have been other circumstances that have happened this year, instead of just kind of not talking about them, I feel that talking about them for a few minutes is more important because they deserve to have... I mean, it is there to be talked about. And Alan, you do a great job of hosting the podcast and not only bringing to light, you know, the games, but what's going on off the field. Because like you said, there is a lot of stuff out there that is super important to talk about. And, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that you, uh, that you bring up these things to let everybody know who may not get deep into the papers, everything that's going on. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. The thing is, that's why for me, when I do, when I, when I look for the show so that we can do this, I always try to make sure that even though my main focus is talk about the different teams and different rankings so that we can prep for how it's going to go for the rest of the year. But if there's something that's going to be very important, I want to make sure that we are able to talk about it and give it a voice that sometimes you may not hear. So it's always a good thing. But uh, while we're talking about that, Bob, why don't we hit the... uh, top 25 for baseball we have lsu at number one at 35 and 8 lake force is number two 37 and 6 south carolina is number three with the record of 35 and 8 florida's number four with the record of 35 and 10 vanderbilt's number five with the record of 32 and 11 arkansas is number six with the record of 33 and 11 stanford's number seven with the record of 28 and 13 coastal carolina's number eight with the record of 28 and 14 UConn's number nine with a record of 32 and 11. Duke's number 10 with a record of 31 and 13. Miami's number 11 with a record of 28 and 16. West Virginia's number 12 with a record of 33 and 11. Campbell's number 13 with a record of 31 and 10. East Carolina's number 14 with a record of 31 and 13. Oregon State's number 15 with a record of 30 and 13. Dallas Baptist is number 16 with a record of 34 and 10. Oregon's number 17 with a record of 30 and 13. Tennessee's number 18 with a record of 30 and 14. Boston College is number 19 with a record of 29 and 14. Arizona State's number 20 with a record of 29 and 15. UVA's number 21 with a record of 35 and 11. University of Texas San Antonio's number 22 with a record of 33 and 11. Maryland's number 23 with a record of 30 and 15. Cal State Fullerton's number 24 with a record of 26 and 13. And Northeastern rounds out the top 25 with a record of 35 and 7. You know, real quick, two things that really hop out to me in the mm-hmm. rankings is five of your top six schools are from the SEC. And that mm-hmm. just shows the dominance that the Southeastern Conference has had over the years. I mean, I think a lot of people think about Vanderbilt and South Carolina. But, I mean, you know, keep in mind, LSU, number one in the country. And LSU has had some good baseball teams in the past as well. Um, Florida is a tough place to go to. Arkansas is there, too. But how about the Duke Blue Devils? Uh, And I'm not going to say this as a Duke fan, which I know you will accuse me of. But Duke Duke jumped all the way from 20 to 10 in this week's ranking. So, definitely – a big jump for them, and you know, uh, the top, the bottom three changed as Maryland, Cal State, Fullerton, and Northeastern, not Northwestern, but Northeastern, all get in the top twenty-five. And you know that super regional is going to be, or the regionals are going to be fun. The regional is a basically a pool play of four. Then it goes to a super regional, which is the best out of three. Then the teams that win the super regional, if I'm not mistaken. The super regional teams either go straight to the College World Series. I can't remember if there's another round of teams or not. What it is, I believe that once you win in the super regional, you do make it to the College World Series. Because then it becomes a double elimination there as well. And, you know, I don't know how many people you run into, Alan, to where you're like, what's on your bucket list of sports items? I mean, I do it all every every day, you know. But anyway, the thing about it is a lot of people will say the College World Series 
is on my bucket list of an event to attend. Just out of curiosity, what college sporting event would be on your bucket list to attend? <laughs> For me, I would like to go to Ohio State, Michigan one time. That's what I'm really looking forward to for football. Of course you would. Um, you know, I would have loved to have gone to the ACC tournament when it was smaller, like eight or nine teams. And gone mm-hmm. to I did get to go to the opening round this past year in Greensboro. It was a super fun experience. But when you've got a one-win team in Louisville, you can only get so excited. Um, I probably wouldn't mind going to the college World Series. I actually have been to a super regional. I've been to a lot of college football games. But, you know, you're, I can't argue with your pick of Ohio State or Michigan because that would be at the top of anybody's list. Well, I mean, because I am a diehard fan, and uh, one thing that I've been able to kind of instill in my daughter is a love for sports. So, Whenever I let her get on and uh, talk with her sister, she will look up the Capitals, the Nationals, the Orioles, the Wizards. She'll check out all the local teams to see how they're doing. And then she'll tell me if it's good or bad. I'm just so, I mean, love of game shows, but I haven't been able to hit a lot of sports with Well, I mean, I got lucky. I'll put it like that. It's, so, you know what? I think as a as a parent, uh, some parents live vicariously through their children, but I think for guys like you and me, um, let's let our children enjoy what they want to enjoy. We're not going to discourage them. But, you know, if, if somebody wants to play sports, I think, too, the thing that you need to let them know is playing sports, it is a super commitment, um, especially if you want to be in that area one day to where you're going to be a college athlete because it's not, you know, I've had this talk with several people. A lot of people mm-hmm. like specialize, but there's almost dedication to being that one sport athlete. That's true. I mean, uh, when I was growing up, some of the books I would read were about Chip Hilton and how he would be playing football, basketball. And baseball, so watching different people, how they've been able to do, be successful playing multiple sports, it's something that's definitely been impressive, and uh, I have appreciated. And actually, I just thought of one last thing. Uh, Unfortunately, we found out today that a uh, former track star passed away, a former U.S. Olympian. Not sure if you heard about that today or not. I did. 30, 32, I believe. Yes. Way too young. Yeah, Tori Bowie. And so uh, it's a shame that we just found out about that. I mean, uh, we don't know what happened, and there's no need that and I'm not going to speculate, but for someone who was able to be successful in college and then go to the Olympics and win a gold medal besides two other medals and then having something happen like that, so whatever happened, you just feel for her and her family. And so, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what else I could say because you said it so well. So, uh, like I said, uh, thoughts and prayers for her family and also thoughts and prayers for the uh, player for Texas A&M Tarkana, just that uh, his recovery keeps going well. And uh, UVA, I I did want to make sure to mention that for their spring game, the uh, football player who had been shot, he was able to play in their spring game. So that was a welcome sight to see. And uh, congratulations that he was able to get on the field, even though he still has a lot that he needs to uh, work through and just uh, keep pushing through the best way that he can. Yeah, I mean, you know, for any of these guys that have had, you know, um, life-altering events or maybe what could have been a life-ending event, you know, Mm -hmm. 
the uh, DB with the Buffalo Bills as well. I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, really just be thankful that they're still here with us. Whether mm-hmm. whether they play another down or not, to me, means absolutely nothing. But as long as they're here to enjoy the down and enjoy, you know, the talk, um, that's that's the main thing. Exactly, and yeah, you're definitely right about Demar Hamlin. Uh, the one person that comes to mind even before Demar Hamlin was Ryan Shazier when he got hurt while playing for the Steelers and he's able to walk and he's able to keep living his life, even though he'll never play football again. But in the grand scheme of things, he's one. Yeah. It's like DeMar Hamlin's one and any other player or person who's gone through things and they're still here. They've won. I mean, you know, that's a great point. Uh, Eric Legrand as well. Um, mm-hmm. From a Rutgers player. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that I look at. And, you know, one of the first incidents I remember from sport, from my sporting life, I think I was about nine, and it was the West Coast Conference Tournament. And Lowell Old Marymount was super good. And there was an alley-oop to Hank Gathers, and Hank Gathers clapped. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. passed away on the court. I mean, you yeah. know, it it really humbles you because at that point it becomes where it's not about the game. It's about the guy. Now, Loyola Marymount kind of went on to a storybook after that because they went all the way, I believe to the elite eight um, before falling, maybe even the final four. I can't remember, but you know, they dedicated that to Hank, Bo Kimball, his best friend, Scott Freefield was left-handed in honor of mm-hmm. Hank. So, you know, Sports is so good because at a lower level, if you can enjoy the purity of sports, whether it be at college or below, it's such a great, you know, uniter, um, a fun activity for us. It helps us to escape from reality. But it's, you know, it's really a shame when people just ruin the purity of it by, you know, complaining or, you know, I mean, it, it's weird because there are so many debates about sports, and I love debates and I love arguments, but I like to keep it at a debate and an argument. And I know you're a big fan of this, Alan, too. Like, you know, we can debate or argue or something, but at the end, mm-hmm. you know, let's laugh or, or do whatever. And unfortunately, some people just can't turn off that switch. Mm-hmm. No, I do understand about that. Now, that's why. No matter what, the goal is you and me are always going to have a discussion. And some people are going to appreciate it. Some people are going to not be as happy about it. But the thing is, as long as we try to make sure that when we have our discussions, we hit all the main points about it, everyone's welcome to their opinions. And as long as we make sure to give you the as much information as we can, you can disagree with us as much as you want, but as long as you feel like you've been informed about it, we've done all we can do, which not everyone can say that when it comes to certain things when you're trying to talk about sports. And I'll be happy to debate or argue with anyone, but I'm not going to like, you know, my my big thing that I like to say is I'm not going to throw fists with somebody over any type of argument because when we get heated or when we get, you know, loud or physical, all the points are gone. But I just look forward to to watching these college tournaments with such, um, you know, I, I just want to be a fan because, I mean, I don't really have mm-hmm. a in the spring sports that I, you know, kind of live or die with. But mm-hmm. I just want to enjoy the game. That's true. That's true. I mean, um, one thing that we'll definitely get into next week is uh, the NCAA golf tournaments getting ready to start as well. I was trying to wait on that till next week just because I want to make sure that uh, we have either better information for the teams and a few of the different players that we can talk about as well. Because by then we'll have that, and for across we should have some of the brackets almost ready as well so that way we can make a few picks ourselves see where that goes and then 
I believe we're going to start to see like the uh, different locations for the different tournaments for men and women's softball so we can start making a few predictions carefully and just seeing where it goes. Alan, it is always a blast to talk sports with you on a Wednesday night. Hey, Bob, I appreciate it as well. And um, although we both agree that trying to find us outside of uh, this show isn't always the best idea, how would we get a hold of you, sir? Um, you know, you can put two cans together and yell. I, rec- I recommend you don't do that. Um, you know, you can always, um, if you can find my number, good for you. Uh, Twitter, the Sports Buffet. Uh, Facebook, the Sports Buffet podcast. YouTube, the Sports Buffet. Um, you know, I've been putting some old stuff up there, too, just because a lot of my stuff is now more current. But, you know, it's funny, Alan. Sometimes when I listen to my old stuff, I cringe because I'm like, gosh, what, what, how young were you? And, you know, how much worse were you then? But I feel like if I want to cringe, then I should let other people cringe too. Yep. No, I, I, I've done that myself when I used to do uh, college radio a little bit uh, when you had met me. So I, I definitely know what to talk about there. For me, if you were going to try to find me, you'd find my Alan F. West at Twitter. Someday I'm going to change. I'm going to post on there. It's it's uh, it's going to be our running joke for a while, Bob. And then uh, you have me on Instagram at Alan.West.46. But, uh, sir, I think that about wraps up for the day, unless there's something else you can think of. I feel like some days the question is going to be, what happens first? One of our daughters getting married or Alan posts on Twitter? Well, let's hope we don't get that far ahead. Let's, let's not go that far. But uh, if you were going to find the Sportscast, you could look us up on Twitter at the Sportscast1, or you could go to our website, sportscast.net. This has been the Top 25 Rundown. My name is Alan West. That is Bob Avis. We will see you next week. Bye.